We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow. John McRae wrote these words in 1915 after the death of his friend and fellow soldier, 22-year-old Alexis Helmer, who was buried among poppies on the battlefield of World War I. Over a century later, we've lost a staggering number of lives, not to war, but to the opioid crisis. According to the Public Health Agency of Canada, over 19,000 people have died from opioid-related deaths since 2016, and counting. Today, our patient has opioid use disorder, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled The Poppy's Curse, Part 2. In this second of two episodes on opioid use disorder, we will focus on long-term pharmacotherapy. Patients starting pharmacotherapy for opioid use disorder have rarely reached stability with their use, so you should first assess ABCs and rule out acute presentations such as overdose and withdrawal. Please listen to our first episode for details on managing these conditions. Once you've ensured that your patient is stable and comfortable, it's time to take a history. Remember that people who use drugs face heavy stigma in healthcare settings, and you have the chance to counter this stigma in all the ways you talk to and about your patient. An addiction-specific history can be divided into the patient's past, present, and future. First, explore the patient's history of substance use, including when and how they first started using each substance. Ask about any past overdoses or withdrawals, hospital admissions, and previous testing for bloodborne pathogens, especially if there's a history of sharing equipment. Ask about their longest period of abstinence and any past treatments for substance use disorder. Next, explore their current use. Ask which substances they're using, and among these, which is their drug of choice. Ask how much, how often, and how they administer these substances. Do they swallow pills, smoke, snort, or inject? From a social standpoint, ask whether your patient has access to a family doctor, pharmacy, drug coverage, harm reduction services, and housing. Do they have loved ones nearby who could support their recovery? Finally, explore their future goals regarding their substance use. Your patient's stage of change may range anywhere from the pre-contemplative stage to the action stage, that is, from no interest at all to a strong desire to get healthier or even achieve abstinence. Just ask them. Based on this history, you can now establish a formal diagnosis of opioid use disorder using the DSM criteria. So, what are your patient's treatment options? The two first-line medications effective in treating opioid use disorder are methadone and buprenorphine. Buprenorphine is often combined with naloxone, and this combination is also known as suboxone. Although withdrawal management without long-term pharmacotherapy is another treatment option, Canadian guidelines recommend against this approach as it confers an increased risk of relapse and death from overdose. Time for our minute physiology. Methadone is a long-acting, full opioid agonist that can be taken in substitution for other opioids. By contrast, buprenorphine has two properties that distinguish it from methadone and add to its safety profile. First, it is a partial opioid agonist, and second, it has high binding affinity to opioid receptors. The partial agonist property makes it less likely to cause respiratory depression, and the high affinity property means it will often remain bound to receptors if other opioids are ingested, reducing the risk of overdose in the setting of relapse. 
To discourage injection, methadone is typically mixed in an orange drink, and buprenorphine is taken witnessed as a sublingual dose and combined with naloxone to reverse the opioid effect in case it is ever injected. Let's talk about the workup now. What investigations should you order while initiating pharmacotherapy? Start with a urine drug screen to document baseline substance use. However, as you interpret the result, remember that cross-reactivity with certain medications can cause false positives and negatives. Also order renal and liver function testing and an ECG for a baseline QT interval if risk factors for arrhythmia are present. Don't forget to offer your patient testing for HIV and hepatitis C, especially if they describe a history of drug injection or sharing equipment. So, you've assessed your patient and ordered the appropriate investigations. What should you know about prescribing buprenorphine and methadone? Let's begin with buprenorphine, the recommended first-line medication. Because buprenorphine is administered sublingually, it is important to instruct your patient to take this pill under the tongue until fully dissolved. When initiating buprenorphine, be aware that it can cause precipitated withdrawal. As described earlier, buprenorphine's high affinity property means it will displace other opioids in the patient's system, but its partial agonist property means it will not activate the receptor with the same efficacy, leading to withdrawal symptoms. Because of this risk, the classic teaching is that buprenorphine should not be started unless your patient is already in at least moderate withdrawal, with a cow score more than 12 and their last dose of short-acting or long-acting opioid more than 12 or 24 hours ago, respectively. In this setting, the partial agonist activity leads to effective relief of withdrawal symptoms. Although a full review of buprenorphine dosing is complex and beyond the scope of this episode, we've included an example of a traditional initiation protocol in the infographic posted on our website. Once a patient is in moderate withdrawal with a cow score greater than 12, give them a starting dose of 2 mg of buprenorphine. Reassess two hours later and give extra 2 mg doses as needed to a maximum total of 8 mg on the first day. On subsequent days, the total daily dose can increase by 2 to 4 mg each day, up to a maximum of 16 mg depending on your patient's response. Thereafter, the daily maximum dose in Canada is 24 mg per day. You may come across some recently developed microdosing protocols that allow for the initiation of low-dose buprenorphine even with recent opioid use with a minimal risk of precipitated withdrawal. However, these protocols are considered off-label and require expert guidance. Now, let's talk about methadone. Methadone is often mixed in an orange drink and administered orally. Major risks to consider with methadone include QT interval prolongation and a higher risk of overdose compared to buprenorphine. Pay attention to methadone's long list of drug interactions, including certain antibiotics, antiretrovirals, antiepileptics, and psychiatric medications. Although an exemption from Health Canada is no longer required to prescribe methadone, licensing bodies often require additional training for physicians to initiate and titrate methadone, depending on the province or territory of your practice. Call an addiction specialist to initiate methadone, which generally starts at a dose of 10 to 30 milligrams and can be titrated up every three to five days for outpatients. That said, if you admit a patient who is already stable on methadone maintenance therapy, you can continue their home dose without involving addictions after verifying this dose with their community pharmacy. 
Comparing buprenorphine and methadone, Canadian guidelines recommend buprenorphine as the preferred agent, as it has a better safety profile and requires fewer visits to the clinic and pharmacy during initiation. There are certain situations where methadone may be preferable to buprenorphine, such as pregnancy or failure of buprenorphine. Some patients who use high amounts of fentanyl also find it easier to transition to methadone, fearing precipitated withdrawal with buprenorphine. The choice is ultimately up to your patient's preference and experience. One more note about the inpatient management of opioid use disorder. Remember that stable home doses of buprenorphine or methadone will not treat acute pain. For acute pain, prescribe short-acting opioids in hospital while continuing methadone or buprenorphine maintenance therapy, and recognize that higher-than-usual doses may be required due to tolerance and the high affinity properties of buprenorphine described earlier. Let's pause for a safety minute. Ever wonder why buprenorphine and methadone are considered controlled substances requiring tight regulation by the federal government? Well, despite their role in treating opioid use disorder, these substances can still cause overdose and be diverted to the illicit drug market, making the opioid crisis worse instead of better. That is why it's essential to call the community pharmacy whenever you admit a patient already on opioid agonist therapy. First, you should ask for the patient's last observed dose so you don't accidentally give your patient an extra or higher dose of methadone, risking overdose. Second, ask about any recent missed doses that might warrant restarting methadone or buprenorphine at lower dose, again to prevent overdose. Third, ask if your patient was given any take-home doses, also known as carries, to ensure that any extra unused carries are returned to either the hospital or community pharmacy. Finally, you should inform the pharmacy that your patient has been admitted to hospital and cancel any active prescription for buprenorphine or methadone. Interprofessional collaboration is just as important at discharge as it was at admission. If your patient would like help with accessing housing, drug coverage, finding a family doctor, or replacing their ID, involve the social work team early on. If your patient has a concurrent mental health condition that may affect their substance use disorder, they might benefit from referral to a concurrent disorders program at the discretion of the psychiatry team. If your patient tests positive for either HIV or hepatitis C, ensure they have access to treatment and follow-up. Finally, any patient discharged with buprenorphine or methadone should have follow-up secured with a physician comfortable with managing this medication. Ensure that the discharge prescription for buprenorphine or methadone is faxed to the community pharmacy, specifying the last observed dose in hospital, total prescribed doses, and dispensing instructions for observed versus take-home doses. Adding a prescription for a naloxone kit can also be life-saving if your patient does relapse and overdose. Please note that the management of opioid agonist therapy carries plenty of nuance, and a comprehensive review is beyond the scope of this introductory episode. As addiction medicine is a rapidly evolving field, the management of opioid use disorder will also change with time. If you're curious to learn more, we encourage you to seek further training through clinical electives in addictions and the resources referenced on our website. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled The Poppy's Curse Part 2. This episode was written by Dr. Clara Liu, General Internal Medicine Fellow, and reviewed by Dr. Lori Regenstreif, Addictions Medicine Specialist, and Dr. Leslie Martin, General Internist. The Internet Work Series is created by Allison Lai and developed by Zara Morali and Leah Kirianopoulos. This episode was recorded and produced by Leah Kirianopoulos. Music production by Lakshman Vasanthamoan. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.